My name is Drew. If you don't know me, I'm the director of worship music and the arts here at Grace. And um, it's my honor, honestly, to, to be serving you all and, and serving our family, um, usually through the music and the services and the prayers and things. But today, um, I get the pleasure of digging into God's word with you. Um, so let's open up to John chapter 6. The bulletin um, says Matthew chapter 6. Um, that's because I messed up. And then changed my mind. So um, it's John chapter 6. Um, and we'll be starting with verse 25. This is on page 744. Let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, where did, when did you get here? Now this is right after Jesus has been teaching and he's fed the 5,000 and then he dismisses the crowds. He sends his disciples saying, hey, get out here, go get some rest, go across the lake, I'll meet you there. That night he goes up on the mountain to pray um, and then he catches up with his disciples by walking across the water and meeting them there. And so all the crowds wake up in the morning and go, well, we know the disciples left, but where's Jesus? He's not here. What happened? And some boats show up and they get in the boats and they go across the lake and when they get there, they see Jesus there and they go, how did, how did you get here? And so this is where we're picking up. Rabbi, when or how did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've spent the last few weeks in this season of Lent discovering, relearning, hearing anew how to pray as Jesus teaches us to pray, right? His disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, man, something's different when you pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, okay. When you pray, pray like this. Call God your Father, our Father, way up in heaven, creator of the universe, who is unthinkably unfathomable. He is outside of time and space, is infinite, yet is also infinitely close to us and wants us to call him our parent. Father, before we do anything else, we want you to make your name holy. Set it higher than anything else for us right now. Take your proper place in our hearts and in our thoughts right now. We want your kingdom to come here, God. We want you to turn our world on its head, and we want to be ambassadors for your new way of living. And we want your will to be done as swiftly and as surely here on earth, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to start praying by asking God to do for himself what he is due. Glory, dominion, power, right? And then 
we turn to us. Give us this day our daily bread. That's where we, that's where we are going to be spending our time this morning. The petition, the first one, that we finally turn to ourselves. And honestly, I don't think I'm the only one that feels this way, but this is the one that a lot of us rush through the rest of it to get to, right? Our Father, heaven, hallowed will, kingdom, heaven. Okay, God, let me get my list. So here's all the things I need. You start listing off your wish list of Santa Claus, right? Am I the only one that feels that way? You take a deep breath. Okay, we sprinted through the first house half. Now on to me. Now, you might not be like me. Maybe I'm the only awful person in here. Um, but I feel like I've done this a lot. Like, I've done this quite frequently. And God recently has been bringing different things to my attention, actually, that has been reframing the way I think about this petition. Um, and isn't, isn't that the great thing about prayer? That if we honestly and truly come to God in prayer and come into his presence, he actually changes our requests and reshapes our needs and helps us see what, what he wants for us, not just the things we think we need. And that's one reason why I, I, I'm loving this sermon series. It's, it's really forcing me to slow down in my prayer life. It's giving me little things to take away, to, to put into practice with this prayer that we've prayed our whole lives, right? Many of us have known this such a long time, but it's allowing me um, or it's allowing God to catch my attention in different ways. And so, honestly, I felt like I knew what this one was all about, right? Give us bread, God, you know. Give me the things I need to get through this day. Um, you know me better than anyone else, God. And, and so you know what I mean. You know what I need. And, and if it's your will, um, I need you to provide for me, right? But God's actually been wrestling with some different things for me. And so the things that I've been wrestling with are the three words, give us bread. And that's what I want to discuss with you this morning. The first word, give. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I might be the only one realizing this for the first time, but when we're asking God to give us something, it means that we're needy, right? Because if you don't need anything, you don't need to ask for anything. So by coming to God and asking for him to provide for us, we're admitting that we're poor. We're admitting that we're needy. We can't create or produce for ourselves the things we need, and therefore we ask for it to be provided by the one who can. Now this should be a humbling thing, right? Because we're not asking to pay for it. We're not asking to earn it. We're only asking for it to be given to us, which means it's a gift. It's grace. And since we haven't and we can't earn it, we must humbly ask God to give it to us out of his goodness and out of his grace. We're not the creators or the producers. We're the receivers, right? And we trust that God is good and will give us what we need. So the act of coming to God in prayer not only tests our faith, it not only requires faith, but it also refines our faith. Why do I say this? Coming to God requires faith because it means that we are trusting. We are trusting that God is the one who actually can supply our, our needs and our, our requests, right? You don't go to a car mechanic to ask for a piece of bread. You go to a baker. You got to go to the right person to ask for the thing you want. And so by coming to God, we are trusting that he is the right person. 
We're trusting that he's the one that can provide for us. But it not only requires faith, it also tests our faith and refines our faith in the process of coming to him. By asking God to provide for our needs, instead of trying to do and accomplish on our own to provide for ourselves, our faith in him is tested. Will he really take care of me? Is he really able to provide for my needs? Does he really love me and have a plan for me? It tests our faith. But because we, we come to him and enter into his presence through prayer, it also allows him to shape our requests and shape our needs. It allows him to shape our character. It allows him to get in there and shape our hearts. You see, to ask for help, we've got to recognize that we can't help ourselves. And so when we truly come before God, it humbles us. It strips us of our pride because we can't do it on our own. And it puts us in a position to actually receive from God. And when we come to God like that, ready to receive, asking for him to provide, he always gives us more than what we asked for. He gives us his heart. He gives us his character. He shapes us to be more like him. Now in the Old Testament, the Israelites had many opportunities that God gave them to have their faith grown, have their faith tested. If you want to look it up later, it's in Exodus chapter 16. Now this is right after Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. Miriam has sang. Um, they've gotten Bitter water turned into drinkable water, and it's been a couple days, like three days later, and now all of a sudden, the food they'd packed up from the first Passover meal is starting to run out, and they're looking around, and they're surrounded by desert, and they're kind of going, hey, wait a second, we're running out of food. Why'd you bring us out here? We're going to die out here. We should have gone, we should go back to Egypt. It would have been better there in slavery. Are you trying to kill us, Moses? And so we, we know the story, right? Moses calls out to God and says, God, we need you to provide for us. And God says, I'll prove to you that I'm a faithful and just God and I can provide for you. In the morning, there will be manna, bread from heaven on the ground. Gather as much as you need, but use all that you gather. Eat it, eat it, the whole thing. Don't save for any for the next day. And so they go out. The next day, there's manna everywhere. They're gathering it up. And, and no matter if a family gathers a lot or if they gather a little, it ends up being exactly enough of what they need. And, and it proves God's faithfulness, right? Now, some of the Israelites didn't follow God's instructions and they saved some for the next day. You know, like I would do this. I'd be like, well, we gotta keep some of this because what if this was a one-time deal, right? What if the miracle doesn't happen tomorrow? Don't tell those guys over there because they're gonna eat all our manna tomorrow and we won't have any. But then they wake up the next morning and the extra manna they saved is, is rotten and it's full of worms, right? It can't be used, but not to worry because God provided new manna for the next day. He's proving that they can trust him. He is growing their faith in him. He is growing their trust. Now, the thing is, on the sixth day, they were supposed to gather a double portion, right? Because he didn't want them working on the Sabbath by gathering food. So he says, gather a double portion. Now, the ones that gathered double portion on the sixth day, on that first Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, the extra manna they had gathered the night before was still fresh. Again, proving God's faithfulness and his providence. But see, the thing is, 
it was also helping them be refined and sanctified to grow into the character of God, to grow into the rhythms of God. He wasn't just providing for their physical needs. He wasn't just filling their belly, providing for their temporal needs that day. What he was also doing, he was building their faith and teaching them how to be his people. Now, how about you? Is prayer an exercise in trust for you? When you come to God and pray and ask for him to provide, are you, are you trusting in him to provide? Or are you like me saying, God, I need you to provide, but then I go out and I put the trust in my own effort, in my own worry, right? I'm not really demonstrating my trust in God by the way I'm living. I'm trusting in myself. Or maybe when you pray for God to supply, what you're praying for is, hey, God, can you fill in and supplement what I think I've already done, what I've already accomplished? Can you, can you fill in that gap? I've got this covered, God, but can you, can you provide for this for me? See, that's not the way Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer. He doesn't say, hey, when you need something, go to God and ask, and he will, he will be able to provide it. What he does, he says, hey, start with the word give. Recognize that you are needy. Start in this place of need, needing God to do, and recognizing that everything you have comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. Now, something I've really enjoyed from the last couple of weeks of these sermons is, is I've been able to take away little tidbits that I can apply to the way I pray these prayers. And so here's something that um, you, can, you can take away for this week as you pray. Try this this week as we pray. Give us today our daily bread. Instead of waiting until you need something to pray and ask God to provide it, asking him to fill in the gap, why don't we pray this week and think about what we already have. Pray, give us today our daily bread. And when we ask God to give to us, let's think of all the things he already has given us. Honestly, count your blessings. Like, it's that simple. And out of that, realize that we don't have to, we're not just asking for new bread. Realize all the bread that he already has given us and take that knowledge and have our faith be strengthened. Pray, God, Help me realize all the things you've already given me and help me trust you more. I want to grow in my humility. I want to grow in my boldness to ask you for things because I know of what you have already given to me. Because praying for God to give to us is all about growing in our trust of him. It's not about getting things. It's about gaining trust. See, because just like the Israelites we're getting more than what they asked for. They asked for, hey, we're hungry. God gave them more. God is not finished building our faith. He's not finished teaching us to be his people. He calls us as a family, not as individuals, right? We're not lone rangers. And this is something that I'm learning a lot because um, last time I preached, I, I talked about um, how Satan hunts like a lion and he picks off the ones that get separated from the herd, Right? God knows us and he calls us into family to strengthen us, but he also calls us into family because he doesn't, he doesn't deal with individuals. He deals with us as a collective and that's where this word us comes in. Give us bread. 
You see, I, I always prayed this prayer, and I thought I knew it. I thought I was like, oh yeah, I totally got this. You know, I've got some abstract idea that God provides for my food and for my finances. And yeah, this shirt came from God, even though I picked it up at the store. Yeah, I've got some abstract knowledge that it came from God. But, you know, I also recognize that I need to rely on him for other things. I pray, God, give me today the patience that I need. Father, I pray that you, you, you give me the energy I need to accomplish the things you call me to today. God, I pray for the discernment to see where you are calling me today. All good stuff, right? Really spiritually mature prayers. I need a pat on the back for that stuff, right? But see, here's the, here's the problem. It was all focused on me. Hey, God, give me my daily bread. And that's not what Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, when you pray, say, give us today our daily bread. See, I can't pray for my needs, asking my father to provide for me without recognizing that he is father to all, right? Therefore, I have brothers and sisters that have needs as well. Jesus teaches us to pray and not just for ourselves, but to come to our Father together. Now, we already heard when Pastor Chris started this series a couple weeks ago, the prayer starts saying, Our Father. It's a family prayer. It's not my prayer. It's a family prayer that we pray together. And so when I come to God with requests, I'm not just asking for myself, I'm praying on behalf of my family. And so even if I don't need bread or clothes, there are other members of God's family that do. And I don't just recognize that and pray for that from afar. Oh God, they need your help over there. Go help them out. I, I pray with them. I stand next to them. I intercede on their behalf and we approach our Father together saying, God, we have needs now, that includes praying for people that are, are far away, maybe in impoverished areas of the world, something like that. God, they need your help over there. Please provide for them. They need food. They need water. They need medicine. But it also means recognizing that there's people right here in this room that have needs that you might not have. There's people right in your neighborhood, right in your workplace, that have needs that you might not have. And they are part of God's family. And therefore, they're part of your family. And so when we pray and ask God to provide, we're not only asking for our needs, we're, we're praying for each other's needs, right? Now here's the kicker though. What do you think God's gonna say to me if I approach him in prayer, holding my needy brother next to me and say, our father, please give us this day our daily bread. Actually, God, give, give him bread. He needs bread. I'm good. I've got bread in my fridge. Or what if you're praying for someone who's going through a tough time and, and, and you're saying, God, please provide help and healing and joy and, and friendship to that person because they're, they're quite lonely. They're going through a really tough time. They need you to help them. Oh, oh me? No, I, I'm good, God. You've blessed me with a really good family that, that is, is near me, you know. But them, they need your help, God. So I'm asking you to provide for them, my sister in Christ. What do you think God's going to say to you? Now, there's a story of Jesus' disciples doing just this, right? Um, it's in all four Gospels, but um, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. I think it's 685 is the, the, the page. Um, 
Go ahead and look at it. Look at it. Matthew chapter 14. What happens? Jesus has been teaching, right? He's gathered quite a crowd. He has compassion on them. He's healing them. He's teaching them. The disciples come up to him and say, Jesus, it's getting a little late in the day. And these people haven't eaten yet. So maybe it'd be a good time right now to dismiss them, send them to the nearby villages and have them buy something for dinner. But Jesus has a different idea, doesn't he? Look at it. It's verse 16. He says, don't send them away. You feed them. You feed them. Now, we all know how this story ends, right? You know, the, the miracle, the, the provision that God has. But there's one thing that always sticks out to me that's really crazy. There, there, there's 12 disciples, maybe up to 72, depending, you know, that are considered with Jesus, depending on what part of the, the story we're in. And between them, when God asks them, hey, what do you have in the way of food? Between them, they come up with what? A couple loaves of bread, a couple small fish. Like, they, they didn't even have enough for their own lunch, so they're probably like, oh, I'm hungry. Hey, Jesus, they're all hungry. We should all go get some dinner. And he's like, well, you feed them. It's like, but, but, but see, by trusting Jesus with what they had, by trusting, Jesus was able to make it multiply and everyone was provided for and there's even leftovers. Now see, the exact same thing happened in the desert with the Israelites. We're back in Exodus chapter 16. When God told them to gather a double portion the day before the Sabbath to have, there's some that didn't listen. Either they weren't paying attention or they're stubborn or whatever, but they go out on the seventh day looking for some manna that day and they are out of luck. There's nothing. They're out of luck. But see, the families that had gathered a second portion, when they decided to share with those that hadn't, it ended up being enough to provide for everyone. All they did, God said, hey, if you gather one basketful for your family, gather two. So they gathered two basketfuls. They didn't gather three, but it turned out to be enough because when they trusted God with what he had given them, God used them to provide for the rest. So back to the prayer on behalf of my needy brother, right? I come to God and I ask not only for my needs to be met, but also for the needs of my brothers and sisters. I share the burden of their prayers. But in recognizing what God has gifted to me out of his grace, I also share in the responsibility to provide for others. See, because if God has provided for me and has called me into community and family with people that have needs. And if I truly want his will to be done in and through me, then I cannot ignore the fact that I'm able to provide out of what I have. Why don't we live this way? Now, I'm not saying that no one here, you know, everyone's self-centered and, you know, it only thinks about themselves. Not at all. There's many, many selfless things that our community is involved in. I'm sure each of you in your own circles have, have stories of times when you've helped other people. So I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, gene- generally, we are wired to look out for ourselves, right? Why? Well, it's because we don't fully trust God 
as the giver. We don't know how to fully trust him to provide for our needs. And so, as a result, we look out for ourselves. We hold tightly to our stuff. And we, we, we view others as capable to get their own bread too, right? As long as they work hard enough and weren't so lazy, they could get their own bread too. But that's not what Jesus teaches us through this prayer. Here's another thing to try this week. When you pray, give us bread. Ask God to show you who he might be calling you to share with. I'm serious. Write this down. Ask God to show you someone that he might be calling you to share with. Perhaps he's calling you to share your time with someone instead of rushing through your own schedule. Maybe he's calling you to, to share, um, share a blessing of, of, of a ride. Maybe you give someone a ride. Or maybe, maybe you go pick up someone else's kids from school along with your own and bless them in that way. Maybe he's calling you to share literal bread with someone by, by buying someone groceries or inviting them over to your home for a meal. And that way you share not only bread, but family. God has already given to you. Now who is he calling you to share those blessings with? See, Jesus is teaching us that when we trust God to provide for us, and we recognize that everything we have is a gift, it frees us up to be able to trust that he has provided enough or more than just us. And when we entrust the things God has given us back to God to do with what he calls us to, then he's able to make us stretch further than we ever could. The things that God provides for us are not possessions for us to hoard. See, when the Israelites tried to hoard the manna, it rotted. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth because they will waste away. There's literally no point. The gifts of God are given to us, which means it's not mine to hold, it's God's for me to steward. And if I'm just a steward of all the blessings I've been given and not an owner, then it's my responsibility to share those things. And see, this is why God calls us and a family. Not only do I get to join with God in providing for the other members of my family, but I get to be provided for through them as well. God, for whatever reason, decides to use us to help each other grow in our trust and dependence upon him. Now, he could have figured out a different way to sustain the Israelites in the desert, right? He's God. He could have just been like, guess what? You don't have to eat for the next 40 years. You're welcome. And they just, okay, make your way to the promised land. But no, he decided to use a way that allowed them to join in the work of gathering and sharing. They grew not only in their trust of God, but they also grew in their compassion towards each other. God provides for us in a way that helps us be shaped into his likeness, which means that the bread he gives us is so much more than just something to fill our bellies or satisfy our needs. The kingdom bread that God offers isn't a possession, it's a mission. 
See, I thought I knew what this petition was all about. But honestly, I don't think I've known anything about it at all. I haven't fully understood what Jesus was trying to say. Because maybe I don't fully know what bread is. Maybe I don't know why I need the things to satisfy my needs to come from God and not from me. And even once I figure out that relying on God is better than relying on myself, I struggle to understand how to ask God to provide. Because, I mean, I still go work and then buy the things from the grocery store. How do I rely on God to do that for me? How do I actually rely on God? Maybe I don't fully appreciate this day. I don't see what makes today special. I don't see why it was given to me or given to us. See, I think Jesus here is showing us that the stuff we ask for, the bread and and the time, the day that we are given, aren't possessions. They're not mine. They're ours. They are gifts. They are the means by which we get to join God in the mission of expanding his kingdom. We aren't blessed for our own sake. We're blessed to be a blessing. Now, sometimes in the church, I'm sure you've heard it before, we're encouraged and we talk about using our treasure, our talents, our time for God. Right? You've you've heard this before? If we recognize that the treasure, the talents, and the time are from God in the first place, we get to be freed up from the burden of pride. We're freed up from the burden of entitlement. We're freed up from the burden of hoarding it for ourselves because it's not ours. It came from God in the first place. We see that we're not gifted. The things that are gifted to us aren't just to feed and provide for us. They aren't personal possessions. They're given to us to provide for others. Lee was talking about the upside-down kingdom we live in, and in this upside-down kingdom of God, the way to receive is to give. Giving is how you receive, Jesus says. We are provided for through the time, talents, and treasures of others. What is God asking you to share? What bread is he asking you to share this week? When we pray, try this. When praying God to provide, count your blessings. Think about what he has blessed you, where he already has blessed you. Because I I can almost guarantee that where God has blessed you in your life, he's blessed you enough to spread it around. I can almost guarantee that where God has blessed you, it's more than enough for just you and that when we entrust it back to God, he's able to stretch it further. This blessing that he's given us is ours today to be shared today because today is all we have. Tomorrow is not a guarantee, right? So we have to take this gift of today and use it for God's glory. Has God blessed you with any talents? Seriously, what talents has God blessed you with? My talents don't satisfy me nearly as much when I use them for myself. Not nearly as much. Has God blessed you with time? Maybe he's, he's asking you to give that time back to him so that he can use you in it. Maybe that means holding a little more loosely to that schedule of yours 
And being aware that that unplanned conversation with that person isn't a drag on your day, but it's an answer to prayer. God is using you to provide for them through that time. And I can bet that he's also providing for you through that time as well. Has he, have you been blessed with more income than you have expenses? No matter how big that difference is. Lee had a great idea, and I, and I love it. Um, what about buying an extra box of granola bars to keep in your car so the next time you see someone who's hungry, you don't avert your eyes? Just having it there so it frees you up to be able to share that blessing. But see, now that also means they have to be willing to share your time and your attention that you've been blessed with. My wife and I, we started this a couple months ago where we started setting aside a small amount of money every month to be used to go grab lunch, grab coffee with people, mostly youth from the, the, the youth group. And it's been really cool because I'm freed up to pursue that time because the money's already provided. It's there. Oh yeah, totally. We have coffee money. Let's go. And then I'm more able to share my heart. I'm more able to share my time. I'm more willing to hold loosely to that schedule of mine because God has already provided the blessing to share. That's a small thing. Has God blessed you with a savings account? Because maybe he's asking you to share your wisdom with people like me who are still trying to figure out this whole stewardship thing. I'm serious. I'm serious. This was not a pitch for me to say, hey, give the church all your money. No, see where God has blessed you and ask yourself if he is telling you to share that blessing because the blessing is not for me to hold. It is a gift to be given to the family of God. How has he blessed you? Who else has blessed you, has shared with you from their blessings? See how God's family is at work doing the work of him. See, because we get to take an active front row position in the mission of unleashing God's kingdom here on earth. We get to grow in our trust of our Father as he uses us to provide for each other. And we get to be shaped into his likeness just by entering his presence in prayer. Paul sums it up in 2 Corinthians when he says, We with unveiled face stare on the glory of God and are transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. I want to be transformed into the likeness of God. I want to recognize that I am needy, and when I come to God, I want to get what he's going to give me, not what I want. It's going to be better. And I want to be transformed into his character, and I want to be his hands and his feet and his voice reclaiming and redeeming our world and our families. I want to come into his presence in prayer, and I want you to as well. So will you join me as we stare with unveiled face at the glory of our Father? Let's pray. God, we need you. We cannot produce for ourselves. We cannot create for ourselves. But before we even think of ourselves, we come to you and we recognize that you are our Father, Holy Other, Creator, we want you to be made holy. 
We want your name to be lifted high. We want your kingdom to come on this earth, and we want your will to be done in Grace Lutheran Church, in our families, in our hearts, just as it is in heaven. God, humble us. Help us come before you expectant. Help us recognize that the blessings you endeavor to give us are enough to share. And help us share not only the blessings you give us, but also help us share the hope we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for being our father and for giving us good gifts. Thank you for sending your spirit to speak into our hearts and to guide us. Thank you for the cross. In your holy and precious name, amen.